When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 5 and we're recording on Tuesday, August 1st. I'm Katie McLean, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How are you? I'm good. I can't believe it's August. I know. I'm not usually much of a summer person, but I feel like the summer is going by way too fast and I'm not ready to say goodbye to warm weather yet. Yeah, I know. That's how I feel, too. But also, like, I'm also not one of those people who's, like, ever really shocked by, like, you know, like, people... I feel like every month people are like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this month is now over or something. But I felt like with July, like, legitimately, I have no idea what happened to that month. <laughs> like, it was... I don't know. It, it went by really fast for me. So, yeah, it was insane to see that it's already August. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat, but I am also one of those people that's perpetually surprised that the next month has arrived. So I'm, I'm just always confused about, you know, what day, what season <laughs> we're in. I, I just have no idea. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, to start off our podcast, do you, um, I will talk about the first sponsor. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. So uh, the first sponsor that we have for the podcast is The Dying Game by Asa at Avdik, hopefully I say that correctly, and that's from Penguin Books. Um, this is a near-future dystopia where the Soviet Union never fell and much of Europe has been consolidated under the Italian Union of Friendship. On the tiny, tiny island of Isola, seven people have been selected to compete in a 48-hour test for a top-secret intelligence position. The Dying Game is a masterly locked room mystery set in a near-future Orwellian state. Uh, this is for fans of Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, Dave Edgar's uh, The Circles, The Hunger Games. Um, Publishers Weekly called it a book for Agatha or call this book Agatha Christie meets George Orwell. Uh, so, you know, if you like any of those authors or any of those books, you might be interested in this. Um, this is the author's debut novel, and some of the scenes from the book are actually borrowed from the author's own experiences uh, in communist Eastern Europe, which I think is really interesting. Um, and it also talks about how the author sees trembling signs uh, that the world is headed towards nationalism, isolationism, totalitarianism, and limitations of free press and free speech. So this is definitely a book that sounds like it is very relevant to uh, the modern day and even just sort of a warning into where things could potentially be headed. Uh, so again, that is The Dying Game by Asa Avdik. And thanks again to Penguin Books for sponsoring the show. Well, that one, yeah, that one sounds like it's might hit a little close to home. I might have to give that one a little bit. I know sometimes, like, I really enjoy like dystopian books and near future books, but I read them nowadays, and I'm just like, oh man, this is just too real, <laughs> too soon, yeah, too soon, seriously. <laughs> Um, well, before we jump into the discussion, uh, I know we've got a couple of mystery-related links that we wanted to talk about. Uh, just for anyone who is new to the podcast, if this is your first episode, welcome. Um, 
But like I said at the beginning, this is a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about mysteries and suspense and thrillers and crime novels and related news and new uh, releases, books that we've just finished reading, books that we want to read. We'll do uh, themed recommendations. If you have any thoughts or suggestions or comments about the podcast episode, make sure to let us know. Uh, We will give our social media information at the end of the show. If you have any any feedback, any questions, any suggestions, any questions that you'd like us to talk about in a future episode, please do let us know. We're always very open to suggestions, and we love talking with people who listen to the podcast. And to kick off the discussion, I know, Rinsey, you and I were briefly talking about this before we started recording. Um, one of the one of the biggest pieces of James Patterson news to come out recently is that he is going to be co-authoring a book with former President Bill Clinton that is going to be coming out next year. Um, the title of the book is The President is Missing, and although they don't give much of a synopsis about what the book is actually about, I think the title pretty much gives us a good idea of yeah. what, the, what the general premise is. Yeah. Um, but the latest... The latest piece of news surrounding this is that they are already pitching their mystery novel to Hollywood and trying to get people on board to turn it into a film. The book isn't even going to be released until next year. And when I was reading this, they're well, they're pitching it to really big name producers like Steven Spielberg, J.J. Abrams, George Clooney. They're you know they're really they're really pitching it to big names but they're they're the pitch is being basically classified as top secret the pitch itself is watermarked so i'm guessing that is so that no one else can pass it off as their own no without- i think it i think it's uh they watermarked stuff like that so that way uh if it does get leaked they know who it got leaked from so like specific people get specific watermarks i've seen that on other like scripts and stuff like that um like i used to really follow like television spoilers uh for certain tv shows and so like they would watermark things in a certain way so that way like if a specific actor or someone or like a pa or someone like left a script somewhere and then someone picked it up and put it online then they would know who to trace it back to interesting okay well then i guess that is more of a common practice than i thought but still fitting with that with that air of secrecy. And uh, I think it also said that they gave uh, the people that they pitched it to, they gave them a link that would expire. So, so I, am I reading that correctly in that, you know, they only have a certain amount of time to click on the link and read the pitch before it is completely inaccessible. Yeah, I think so. I think that's how it's working. It's like really insane. Like how, like part of me, okay, so here's the thing for me at least. Like I'm interested, I've never read a James Patterson book, but this would be the one that I read if there is one. And the way that they're dealing with it, it's like he's the president again and they have like top secret files though that's going to like end the nation (laughs) if this gets out. Part of me like, I don't think that if a James Patterson book got spoiled like it would be the end of the world. And I'm wondering if it's if 
they are, if this is part of their shtick, if this is part of the, to play into the premise of this is a political thriller about a president, I don't know if this is part of, this is part of that shtick or if they really are that concerned about the contents of a book called The President is Missing being leaked to the general public. Like I said, I, I'm, I don't know exactly what the book is about, but I'm, I can take a pretty educated guess as to what the premise will be. <laughs> Something involving the president probably going missing. <laughs> Let me think. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, no, I think there's probably something to that as well, because James Patterson is known for doing these sort of like headline grabbing attention grabbing sort of like marketing schemes almost to try to bring attention to his books which i mean i feel like the man sells a bazillion books so does he really need to i don't know or maybe does he sell a bazillion books because he does all these marketing schemes i think at this point it probably doesn't really matter i mean the fact that he's partnering up with bill clinton is enough of a enough of a headline grabbing thing that you probably don't need an extra shtick but I'm not I'm not sure. I just thought this article was very funny and I really hope that we get more news about this t- around this book uh as it as it gets nearer to its publication date. I really want want more of these crazy classified I antics. Really, I really want them to do like a media tour together because just knowing Bill Clinton's personality and knowing kind of James Patterson's personality, I think it would be really funny to see them doing like duo interviews together. So that's really what I'm hoping for next year. All right. We will hopefully mark our calendars for the podcast episodes. When this book comes out, we will hopefully have tons of news about yeah. about uh, book interviews and, and a book tour with with these two. So and there's, if a, you, it, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to be reading this book next year. Like literally, this is the only James Patterson book I think he could ever come up with that would make me interested. Yeah, I've I've read a couple. I'm not a huge fan. I'm not disparaging against anyone who does enjoy James Patterson. It's just not my cup of tea. But the Bill Clinton factor is just hilarious to me. So I'm I may pick this one up if I if I need a a quick a quick one sitting read next year. All right. Um. So the other piece of news that we have to talk about is another adaptation news. Uh, this trailer for The Snowman came out last week or was it two weeks ago? It was like right after we recorded and released mm-hmm. the last podcast. So it's been a couple of weeks since it's been out. But I'm super excited for it. This looks so Good. Um, the Snowman is by Joe Nesba. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. I've been corrected so many times because I've read his books and talked about it on my videos before. And every time there's always a comment like you're saying his name wrong. So I apologize for that. Um, I read The Snowman a couple of years ago now, and I really, really loved it. And this adaptation just looks like it's going to be so good. Um, it's The trailer itself is super creepy. Did you watch the trailer? I did. Um, right, actually, right after I saw someone mention it on Slack, my boyfriend posted it on my Facebook or he texted me the link and just went, oh my gosh, we have to add this to our movie list. So as soon as I got home from work that day, he sat me on the couch and put his phone in front of my face. He's like, watch this. And I watched it and I thought it looked super creepy and super just so good. I am so excited for this movie. And yeah. I I read The Snowman a couple years ago as well. That was my first Joe Nesbo and uh I loved it. It was it was fantastic. And the movie adaptation looks like it really gets the the spirit of the book, the heart of it. Yeah, so just like a quick overview, this movie stars Michael Fass 
Fassbender as Harry Hull, who is the main detective in The Snowman. Um, so I feel like just having that name attached already describes the caliber of this movie because it's not like Michael Fassbender is just out there doing whatever. He's one of those actors out there who seems to be very specific in the types of roles he picks. So usually if his name's attached to a project, it's really good. Um, There will be a link to the trailer in the show notes in case you're interested in watching it or you can just look it up on YouTube. It's fantastic. It's so, so creepy. Um, So the book or the story uh, follows, like I said, this detective named Harry Hole and the story starts off with this little boy who realizes that his mother has gone missing and he finds her pink scarf on this snowman outside their house. Um, the snowman has just like suddenly appeared. They didn't build it or anything like that and it wasn't there the day before. So it's like sort of this mysterious thing and then you sort of jump to Harry Hole's perspective um, and he's like investigating what is potentially looking like a serial killer who's out there. Um, and it's it's so creepy like even reading the book is so creepy it's kind of making me concerned about watching the movie because i feel like seeing it visually is going to be so much more intense than reading the book was um because i feel like at least for me personally when i'm reading a book i can sort of like put limits on my imagination like when i know it's going really far like i can sort of like detach myself but when you're watching a movie you're just all in like there's no way to get out of it except like closing your eyes uh but yeah the trailer does a fantastic job of picking up the vibe of the book in my opinion it's so fantastically done and i'm so excited for it yeah and i will once again second the creepy notion and this is coming from me i regularly read horror novels i watch horror movies i love creepy and this book really creeped me out the the snowman the snowman just appearing out of nowhere and i think there's there's a lot of play on like the idea that the the snowman's watching you or something like that, like the little snowman built outside your house. Yeah. And so if I don't, did it, did it give a release date for the movie yet? I can't remember. Um, uh, let me check that really quickly. If it's possible, I feel like it's coming out this fall. Okay. Um, I was going to say, I really hope it's around winter time just to mess with everyone. <laughs> yeah, that would be really great. Um, well, that's okay. If we find the release date, we'll put it in the in the show notes. But it oh, is upcoming. Yeah, it is. Up, it's coming out in October. Uh, oh, perfect. October. Creepy. Love yeah. it. Yeah, that was actually a really smart release date because that'll be like a great Halloween movie to watch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I am. I am so excited for, for that one. And it gives you enough time to read the book. Um like I, like I said, that was that was a great book. That was the first uh, Joe Nesbo book that I had ever read, and it does pick up in the middle of the series, but I had no problem getting through it. So if you're concerned about, well, I haven't read the other books in that particular series, don't worry about it. If it if you're not too much of a series completionist, you can totally pick up at this point, and you'll have no problem getting through the story. Yeah, The Snowman was the first one that I had read it as well, and um, I think it was sort of like the first big crossover for Joe Nesbo in terms of like in the United States. Um, so I think that's why it, the snowman is like the first for a lot of people. Um, and I've read from like multiple sources. Like I haven't read all of his books by any means, but I've read from like multiple sources that the snowman is actually a really great place to start with Joe Nesbo's books um, because it's very gripping. Like if you do start at the beginning of the series, like it takes a little while to build up like his writing style um, takes a little while. It takes a couple of books before like you really get into the meat of it um 
So I've read from multiple sources that The Snowman is actually a really great place to start. So if you haven't read Joe Nespo before, pick up The Snowman. Uh, it's fantastic. And then if you like that, then you can sort of go through some of the other Harry Hole books. And I think Joe Nespo also has books that are standalones. But I think a lot of people just recommend starting with the Harry Hole series because that's sort of his strongest and what he's best known for. Mm-hmm. And then with the release of the Snowman trailer, we decided this would be a good opportunity to each recommend some uh, one of our favorite Scandinavian mystery suspense noir titles. So, uh, Rincey, I'll, I'll let you kick it off with your recommendation. Yeah, so the one that I went with, now it was kind of, I don't want to say difficult, but there's a lot of Scandinavian mystery thriller writers out there, the same way there's a lot of American ones out there. Um, and I think that... Scandinavian thriller writers are sort of known for being darker and creepier. Um, you know, you have your Joe Nesbos and you have your like Stieg Larsons, which are which is like a really violent and in your face series as well. Um, so I decided to go with one that's, in my opinion, a little bit tamer. Um, and that's Someone to Watch Over Me by Ursa Sigudar Darda. Hopefully, again, I'm apologize if I'm mispronouncing these names. Um, but this was a book that I actually heard about because of Amanda from Book Riot, Amanda Nelson. She was talking about it, I think, on Twitter, because there is a character in here who is on the autism spectrum. And she was talking about how she doesn't really uh, experience books or read a lot of books that have characters on the autism spectrum at all. And I also just thought it was really interesting because part of of the book is like really hinges on that fact. Um, so this book follows, uh, like I said, a character who's sort of on the autism spectrum. What happens is there's a fire um, at this sort of nursing facility where uh, people who have uh, mental disabilities uh, live. And so there's a fire there and a young girl ends up dying. Um, and so the young man with this, uh, who has autism, uh, he is accused of starting the fire and killing this girl. Um, and so the detective in the story is basically forced to come in to try to figure out whether or not this kid actually did it. Um, she ends up getting a letter from the uh, suspect's jailmate, like his uh, roommate or someone who like is also at in jail with him. And this guy who's in jail with him is like supposed this one of those sort of like mastermind murderers who's in jail. And so part of it is like, can you trust him? Uh, part of it has to deal with like what you can trust from the suspect because he uh, has difficulties communicating. Uh, so a lot of it is the detective sort of figuring out um, how to figure out what happened through him and then also trying to figure out if someone's trying to frame him just because he is autistic, it's easy to pin the murder on him sort of situation. Um, I just found it to be a really interesting mystery book and just really different from a lot of mysteries because of that angle. Um, there's a lot of discussion in here about the way Iceland, I believe they've changed the laws since then, but the way that Iceland uh, treats people with disabilities, um, I believe that prior or when this book was released, um, they would just uh, have people with disabilities in the regular jails with everyone else. And there was a sort of like a bit of a protest against that because obviously they have special or specific needs that couldn't be met by like living in a jail and so it explores a little bit of that um explores a little bit about like iceland's 
sort of like financial downturn, which I wasn't really expecting, but I also found to be really interesting just to see um, sort of how it paralleled our own downturn here in the United States. Um, but also like how it differed. It feels like in the book that it was a lot worse over there. But again, I don't know a lot about Iceland's history or economic history at all, even in the recent years. Um, so it's hard to completely tell like how accurate it is or how much it just pertained to those specific characters. But yeah, it's a really, really unique mystery book. And if you're someone who doesn't like stuff that's super, super dark, like there is a little bit of darkness to this book. But if you're someone who's like way too creeped out by like the millennium trilogy or way too creeped out by joe nesbo i feel like this is sort of like a little bit lighter than those uh in terms of content so it's it's better for if you're someone who reads a lot of like straightforward mysteries this might be a good one to pick up yeah i and i mentioned i I know i texted you last night but without seeing your pick my first pick for this was another book by ursa singer dar daughter and so i have to give a tiny mini bonus recommendation if you're interested in reading her books she does she has a standalone novel called i remember you which is part mystery and part ghost story it's not uh super it's not super bloody or intense in that way but it is really really creepy <laughs> Like I, I read this. I remember reading this book. I lived by myself at the time, and I was about halfway through the book, and I had to turn the lights out and go to bed. And I like had to talk myself up to turn out the lights and actually walk from the kitchen to my bedroom because I was afraid there was something that was going to be waiting for me behind the door. So, I will give you a heads up if you do choose to read. I remember you. It is very, very creepy. But if you like that sort of thing, you absolutely have to read it. It's so good. Um, but my real pick for my recommendation for for my favorite Scandinavian novel is The Dinner by Herman I- Cook. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's spelled K-O-C-H. And this book got a lot of buzz a few years ago when it was published in English. And it's not a typical mystery. It doesn't have a detective investigating a crime. It's very much psychological suspense with literary elements to it. And it takes place over the course of a single dinner between two couples, two married couples. And the there are flashbacks interspersed, so you get some backstory of what's going on. But the, the main action takes place over the course of the meal. And at first, it just seems like the couples are conversing with each other about mundane everyday things but as you progress through the book you realize that there's something dark underneath what they're talking about but they're not quite addressing and as you get further through the book you get more of an idea of what that is and as the story continues the civility between the between the two couples just starts to disintegrate until the very end when everything comes together. And obviously, I will not tell you what it is, because part of the book is understanding what happened. But it is a very, very dark, nasty look at how far you'll go to protect your family, how far you'll you'll go to, you know, protect yourself. And it's, it's one of those books, it's the, the narrator of the book is pretty much the epitome of an unlikable narrator in that if you don't like 
books like The Talented Mr. Ripley or if you read Perfect Days that I mentioned a few episodes ago, if you don't like being inside the head of someone who is that much of a sociopath or that much of a narcissist, it may be difficult to get to get into this book. I have heard people recommend that it's uh, that it if you have difficult getting into it in print, they found that it was a lot easier and a much and a lot easier to get into in audio. So that's an option as well. I read it in print. I loved it. It is just it is just a nasty piece of work, but it is fascinating. If you're in a book group that doesn't mind reading some really doesn't mind reading some darker stories, this would be a really, really good pick. There's a lot to discuss in here. But I read this in probably just a couple of days. It was a couple years ago, so I haven't read it recently. But it's very much, very much up my alley in terms of, you know, my dark, demented and disturbing reading tastes. Um, And if you're looking for something that's different than the traditional mystery detective story, but you want that that noir, that darkness that comes with a lot of Scandinavian writing, this would be a really one to do. And that is uh, The Dinner by Herman Cook. I actually uh, read that one, I think it was last year, maybe. Uh, One of the things I really like about that book, I mean, obviously, this is sort of separate, but it's called The Dinner. And obviously, it takes place over the course of the dinner. But the structure of the book is also like a dinner. So it starts off with like the titles. I think it's the section titles. Um, It'll say like appetizers or aperitif and whatever, and then main course and things like that. And the way the length of each chapter like corresponds sort of with the meal course. So like the main course section is the longest part of the book because that's sort of like the biggest bulk of a meal. The aperitif and the appetizer section is like the shorter sections or the shorter chapters. And then there's like the dessert at the end and everything that wraps everything up. I just thought it was a really clever way to sort of frame a book. Um, And that was probably like the part I was the most interested or not interested in but the part that I was sort of like the most amused by because at that point like I just read it relatively recently and it had come out quite a few years ago so I kind of had an idea of what I was going to be reading but that part hadn't been told to me and I was so just pleasantly surprised by that structure I thought it was so clever of the author to structure it that way that's really interesting. Yeah, I don't. I I may have noticed it at the time. I don't recall noticing it because I don't. I when you mentioned that, I, I didn't ring any bells for me. But that is really interesting. And now I think I might have to go back and reread it, as if I don't already have enough books on my plate. But but yeah, I really I really enjoyed the the dinner. I think it's it's one it's one of those books, and I know a few people have. Uh, have commented to me that they read and enjoyed Perfect Days. If you enjoyed that, you might want to give the dinner a try. That might be up your alley as well. Um, And that takes us to our second sponsor, which, again, in the world of funny coincidences, this was actually one of my other picks for... Uh, books to rec- Scandinavian recommendations to give until I saw that it was a sponsor. So I g- actually, we get to talk about this book, but I am also really excited to read it as well. It's called Leona by Jenny Rognaby. And this was published already overseas in Europe. It's a best-selling thriller. It follows this troubled heroine as she investigates a high-profile robbery for Stockholm's Violent Crimes Division. It's a hard-boiled crime novel written by an author uh, that has been referred to as the Queen of Nordic Noir. And it's filled with unexpected twists and turns with an unusual heroine 
and it makes for a really gripping read while challenging feminine norms and questioning what is behind the choices that we make. And what I found so interesting about this book, I first heard about it when I was at BEA this year. I actually got to meet the author. She signed she signed a copy of the book for me, and she was so sweet. And she, uh, this book is drawn from her work as an investigator for the Stockholm City Police Department. So she's drawing on her real-life experiences, but her whole life is just fascinating. She was adopted as an infant from Ethiopia and then lived in Sweden for most of her life. She was, before she started working in the Stockholm City Police Department, she was a Swedish pop star. Of, I can't remember the name of the band. It's on her, it's on her author website. I, I remember that. And I read on there that at one point her band opened for Michael Jackson when he performed in Estonia. I don't remember what year, but I'm just like, holy cow. She has, you know, from from the, you know, she she has all of these different experiences, including including fame as a Swedish pop star. And then she goes to work for the Stockholm, work as an investigator for the Stockholm Police Department, and then writes a best-selling thriller novel. She her the author is just so fascinating. She's the kind of person I want to I want to meet up with her in a bar and buy her a drink and have her tell me all her life stories. So I am I have not yet had a chance to read this book, um, but it is high up on my list, and I believe it came out today. Yes, today is August first, and today, as in we are recording on August first, the book will already have been out for a few days by the time you're listening to this. But again, the book is Leona by Jenny Rognaby. It's from Other Press, and we thank you very much for sponsoring the show. I actually remember you talking about that. I think one of I think the very first episode of Red or Dead we talked about books from BEA, or you talked about books from BEA because I didn't go to BEA, um, and I remember you talking about this one and being like, "Holy cow, this woman's life is insane!" <laughs> like, so yeah, I talked about it twice. <laughs> yeah, so proof that you know Katie's not just saying that she likes this book because it's a sponsor. She was raving about this book before it was a sponsor. <laughs> So definitely go out and read a copy and I'll read a copy and then we can and then we can talk about it because I'm very excited to read it. Um, so I guess so we've got we've got a few new releases. I guess I'll just jump right into those since we we've been switching off weeks picking picking new books. Um, I have I mean, there's been there's a ton of stuff that's being released today, but I, I picked three that uh, were released on today, August 1st. The first book that uh, I picked is called The Last Girl by Danny Lopez, and it's described as a postmodern noir novel. And I, I remember talking to someone who was listening to the podcast and really liked hard-boiled noir type of type of novels. So here's another one. Here, here's a recommendation for you that you might be interested and the book follows the main character, is De- his name is Dexter Vega, and he's laid off as a reporter, but then hired by a rich retiree, and the retiree needs him to find his daughter, who has gone missing, his college-age daughter. So Dexter goes to investigate, finds evidence that the daughter is in Mexico, and he comes back to tell his client, only to find out that his client is dead, and Vegas Prince are are all over the murder weapon. So he goes, he's thinking, oh my gosh, what is going on? So he's going back to Mexico to actually locate the daughter, explain what happened, and see if she can help him clear his name. But when he finds her, she ends up telling him a very different story than what his client had originally told him. And now he's not sure what's real 
or who to trust. The police are on his tail. They, they think he's a convicted murderer. And now he's stuck and has to find a way out of it. And I just love a good book where you can't tell, you don't know who to trust, you don't know what's what's real and what's not, you just have no, no idea what to believe anymore. So this book sounds super, 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 super interesting. It was compared... Um, it was compared to the works of Elmore Leonard, Sandra Brown, Don Winslow. So this sounds like a really interesting, interesting book to pick up. And that is The Last Girl by Danny Lopez. So speaking of Don Winslow, just really quickly, a side note, I am currently on hold for his book and I feel like it's going to take me years before I get a copy of the latest release because it feels like everyone is reading this book right now. It's going to take so long, but I really want to read it. Well, this might be a good recommendation to fill to fill the void while you're waiting. Yeah, I know. I really I legitimately might pick this book up while I'm waiting for that one because it sounds interesting. And since they're comparing it to Don Winslow, I'm like, might as well. It's going to be a while before I pick up that one. So maybe I'll check out Danny Lopez instead. (laughs) And then my second pick also follows kind of a similar theme of not quite sure what's reality and what's and what's not. The book is Crossing the Lines by Solari Gentle. And the main character is Madeline, who's a really successful writer, and she's created a character named Edward in this new story that she's writing. But the more that she writes, the more she becomes increasingly and alarmingly enamored with this fictional character and the murder that she's created in her novel. And then it gets to a point where Edward begins to engage back with her. So she's in this weird she has this weird connection to this character that is entirely fictional but to her it's not and her husband's very concerned not sure where to where the line between reality and fiction is being drawn and it's it seems like it's one of those really yeah one of those really interesting books again that that plays with that boundary and the author also says it's, n- or the description, I should say, it's not a mystery in that it's about the clues or the crime or solving or talking about who done it, but it's more a story about the act of creating and the writing process as the as the actual act of writing and the story itself begin to merge and it becomes difficult to tell which is which so it has those suspense elements to it but it also sounds like it's got some really really interesting larger themes to talk about this might be a good pick for book groups um but i thought that was a i thought this sounded like a really interesting take on the typical psychological suspense novel in that it is involving someone, a character that is not entirely real. So again, that is Crossing the Lines by Solari Gentle. And then my last pick is one, I actually had a different book that comes out in a couple weeks on the list originally, but then within the span of about 48 hours, I think I heard three or four people from Book Riot talking about this book and how much they loved it. So I'm like, okay, I've got to put this one on the list. Um, That book came out today as well. It's called The Blinds by Adam Sternberg. And The Blinds is the name of a small town in Texas that is actually is populated by criminals. Their memories have been altered. They've been granted new identities, a second chance at life. 
but they are all contained in this small town. And the sheriff has kept peace for about eight years in the town until there's a suicide and a murder in very quick succession. And then everything just kind of starts to crumble under the whole, the, the uneasy peace that's been that's been in the town just starts to collapse the residents revolt the the sheriff's new deputy starts digging the sheriff has secrets that he needs to that he needs to the to protect from the deputy who might be getting a little too close to his truth but then he learns that there is a lot going on in the blinds that no one knows about so there's just layers and layers of secrets and conspiracies and what's going on here and why are all these people in this town and Again, sadly, this is this is a book that I did not have on my radar at all until maybe a few days ago when just about everyone at Book Riot started talking started talking about it. Um, I think someone picked it for the for the book of the month group. If you're if you're a member of that, this was one of their picks for August. But everyone had just recently started talking about this book, so added that one to my reading list. Um, so that is The Blinds by Adam Sternberg, and that is also released today on August 1st. So by the time you listen to this podcast, all three of these books should be, uh, should be available to read. So I guess, I, I guess good luck or good timing on our part for that. So you don't have to wait for these. Yeah, I'm really excited for The Blinds by Adam Sternberg. Uh, I have, I am actually part of Book of the Month, and that is one of the books that I got this month. I'm so excited for it. It was actually, like, I was partially considering we're about to go into our currently reading and starting section, and I was going to put this as my starting, but I don't, like, I feel like I'm in the middle of 15 different books, so I need to finish some (laughs) before I, like, commit to reading another one, Uh, but, like, I'm really motivated to finish the books I'm currently reading this week so that way I could spend my weekend with the blinds because I've heard such good things about it and it just I've I've been excited for it for a couple of months now because I follow Adam Sternberg on Twitter Um, he's a writer for New York magazine I believe and I've been a fan of his for a little while now so I've been really excited for this one All right. Well, I guess that takes us to our currently reading section. So I've been talking for a while. So why don't you kick us off with that, Rinsey? Yeah. So uh, like I said, I'm in the middle of books. I feel like I I had like a really crazy couple of weeks. So since the last podcast recording, I haven't had as much time to read as I usually do. Um, So I had mentioned, I believe in the last episode that I was going to start A Rising Man by Abir Mukherjee. And I did start it. Um, I just have not finished it yet. But I'm really close. I think I have less than 100 pages left in it. Um, It's a really good mystery book. It's historical fiction. It takes place in 1919 in Calcutta, India. And you are following this detective who has gone to India after serving on or in England on this in part of the Scot- Scotland Yard uh, police force there. Um, and so the main character or the main detective in the story is Captain Sam Wyndham. Um, he fought in the Great War. Um, he's a widow. And so after his wife passes away, he decides he wants to just sort of go to India and have sort of a fresh start. Um, when he gets there, uh, one of the first cases that he gets is a murder investigation where this senior British official is found dead and he's found in sort of like the red light district area of Calcutta. So where all the brothels and everything are. And so part of it is obviously a uh, who killed this man situation but it's also like why was he in this area when he shouldn't he wasn't really known for that like he was known as being sort of like 
straight ahead, straight arrow sort of guy. And so something sort of up with that. So it's partially an investigation of just like what's going on in this guy's life that would have brought him to this part of the city. Um, And then there's also another crime that takes place over the course of the book um, that might be tied into the original murder as well. And so it's a really good book. This is written by an Indian author, if it wasn't obvious by the uh, name of the author. Um, And so he's doing really interesting things because this is while there's still British occupation in India. Um, So it's pre-independence for India. Um, So there's this really interesting tension that the author is exploring in this book while also talking about the mystery. So he's talking about the classism in India and how um, the British are seen as being superior um, by both the Indians and the British. Um, They see them, they have created this sort of superiority over the uh, Indian people and the Indian population. Um, So the main character, even though he is British as well, he's very progressive, I suppose you could say, for uh, a British person during that time period. So he's very aware of the race, racism that's happening there. He's also very aware of like gender specific things. There's a character in here who's biracial. So they explore that a little bit. Um, So it's one of those books where they don't ignore sort of the oppression that British people had in India, which is something that I really appreciate. Sometimes I'm a little bit like skeptical of how like realistic a character like this would be. Although he does have his moments where he has, he like checks himself. Like he does have moments where he does things that are not that great. Um, he is very progressive in his thinking. So sometimes I'm just like, ah, I don't know if the character like this would actually exist, but I do actually appreciate the fact that they are exploring those ideas in this book while also being a really solid mystery. Um, so yeah, even if you don't know anything about the British occupation in India, I feel like the book provides you with enough context to really understand it and to really understand the class system that's at play here. But I'm sure that if you have any sort of general history about British occupation, you could probably also just infer uh, sort of how the situation plays out. Uh, so yeah, that's A Rising Man by Abir Mukherjee. Um, I, again, I'm not done with it yet, but just based on what I've read so far, I feel like I can already recommend it. And then the book I'm think I'm going to be starting besides the blinds, which I've already <laughs> raved about, um, is a study in Scarlet Women by Sherry Thomas. This is a book that, again, a lot of Book Riot contributors were really raving about. And then it was one of the Book Riot deals, Kindle deals, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I just bought it because I had heard so many people raving about it. And this is basically like a, a Sherlock Holmes retelling. Um, but it's uh, told from the point of view of... Oh man, what's her name? Sorry, I'm blanking. I'm blanking too. I know the book, but I can't think. Of, is it is is it Charlotte, or is that a, or am I thinking of a different book? No, that's um. Oh, a study in Charlotte. That's yes. the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. So, um. Anyways, this is a retelling of that story, and it's told from the female character's point of view, whose name I am completely blanking on right now. Um. So, yeah, but I've heard this is a really fantastic retelling and this is going to be the first in a series of retellings. And I believe that the second one uh, comes out in the fall. Um, And Jamie over at Book Riot has already read it and has been raving about that one as well. So I picked it up as a Kindle deal. So I figured I might as well just read it now while I can so I can be ready for when the second one comes out this fall. I actually just looked it up for you, and her name actually is Charlotte. Oh, well, that would make sense, but yes. (laughs) So there are two books with a female protagonist, 
whose name is Charlotte, who has connections to Sherlock Holmes. But yeah, I, I did. I did hear about that book, too. And I thought it sounded really interesting as well. So that one, I'll probably have to add that one to my list as well. Yeah. <laughs> um. I have been in a very similar boat in terms of not having as much time to read over the last couple of weeks as I would have liked. And with the exception of my birthday week at the beginning of July, July has actually been a really bad month of reading for me. Not in terms of the books that I've read, but in terms of having time to read the to read the books that I want to. I feel like every day for the last three weeks, I've had something going on in the evening, whether it was grad school or appointments or just working late, and I just haven't had time to read like I wanted to. It's very sad. Um, But I am, again, I'm about less than 100 pages from the book that I'm currently reading, which I mentioned in our last episode, uh, Black Dahlia, Red Rose by Pew Eatwell. And this was this it's actually an upcoming book that comes out in October of this year, but it's an it's a fresh look at the at the case of the Black Dahlia murder in, in Los Angeles in 1947, and it looks at the crime, but it also the author had access to recently unclassified documents. I don't know if that's the right term, but she was able to access information that had that had been withheld previously in, in regards to the case and uncovered a lot of corruption and cover-up in the Los Angeles Police Department in uh, in the years following the murder of, the, of Elizabeth Short, who is the Black Dahlia. And it is so interesting I've I've been on a historical crime kick recently anyway, but reading about the murder, but then also reading about the mystery and around the cover-up and who was who was trying to push the investigation in a certain way and who was who was misplacing evidence and who was basically kind of purposefully dropping the ball on certain things. And I haven't I haven't quite yet gotten up to the gotten up to the why. It's it seems to be a very complicated issue, but it's really really interesting if you're at all interested in true crime or historical crime whether it's true or not. Um the Black Dahlia Red Rose by Pew Ewell is a really interesting book. I think I'm going to be suggesting this to a lot of our true crime readers at the library. I think this is going to end up being one of my go-to books. It's really easy to hand sell to people. And then so I I can't remember. I think Rincey, I think you mentioned it on a previous on a previous show wanting to start uh Final Girls by Riley Sager. I know we mentioned it when we were talking last week about the the kind of gender neutral pseudonyms that male authors have been taking. Well, this is what this was one of the books that was mentioned, but I've heard so many good things about it and I I think I mentioned before that uh, Liberty from Book Riot mentioned it as a cross between Gone Girl meets American Horror Story. And I just went, well, crap, I can't pass up a book with that description. So it's, I've had, I've had the arc for a while. It's been sitting in my purse, just staring at me, just saying, hey, why, why aren't you reading me on your lunch break? Well, now I'm hoping that I will finally have the time to read it because it just sounds so, it just sounds so cool. So I will hopefully be starting that very soon. And again, that is Final Girls by Riley Sager. So I have two pieces of information to attach to both of those books. <laughs> One is that I still have not read Final Girl, so I feel like we should both just read it and then we, have, we could like have a discussion on it or something. Sounds um, good. Yeah. And then also, did you see that they're making a show? Uh, TNT is producing a show on Black Dahlia starring Chris Pine. Um, 
And what? It, yeah. So I like Googled it really quickly while you were talking about it because it's something like dinged in my head remembering seeing this. Um, but yeah, so they TNT is picking up a limited series. Uh, it's starring Chris Pine and it's going to be directed by P- Patty Jenkins, who uh, just directed Wonder Woman. And it's going what? to be a six episode <laughs> drama uh, based on the autobiography of Fana Hodel. So you have that to look forward to now. <laughs> I think it's going to play. I, yeah, I think it's coming out this fall. So, yeah, I, I remember it was literally like just announced. And in my head, I was like, oh, Black Dahlia, why does that sound familiar? And now I remember why is because you were talking about it on the podcast. <laughs> So I I know I have a couple of friends who are interested in crime and also Chris Pine. So you guys know who you are. Make a note of this. We're going to be watching this together. (laughs) Holy cow, that just made my evening. There you go. I'm really glad that we could end on that happy note there. Yay. (laughs) All right. um, That's our show. Like I said earlier, if you are looking for links to any of the articles that we talked about or you want to see the Snowman trailer or anything like that, uh, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen and then you can head over to the Red or Dead site and you can see uh, show notes for all of the different episodes that we've done so far and specifically for this one, there'll be links to everything that we've talked about as well as links to all of the books that we talked about in this episode. Um, again, if you like this episode, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that way other people can discover it and can check us out if they're interested in mysteries and thrillers as well um, again thank you so much to everyone who's like sent us feedback so far we really appreciate it we've been getting really great comments on like twitter um, on the book riot insider slack channel things like that we really uh, love hearing from you guys and hearing your feedback and we're definitely like jotting down all of the suge- all of the suggestions uh, that you've been giving us for future episodes so we definitely take that stuff into account when we're planning out what we're going to be talking about um, so yeah you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at Rincey A. That's R-I-N-C-E-Y-A. And you can find me on Twitter at K-T underscore library lady. All right. And we will talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. 